0: I want to turn to the book of Philippians, I've been looking at Philippians a little bit along with the book of Acts on a a Friday evening and uh, on Sunday mornings and and, uh, I'm turning to the book of Philippians again, this time to uh, chapter uh, chapter 3 and we're going to read from verses 12 to 21, Philippians chapter 3 and verses 12 to 21. for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus let those of us who are mature think this way and if anything you think otherwise God will reveal that also to you only let us hold true to what we have obtained brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Pray that God will bless the reading of his precious word. And these verses which I want us to look at this morning from Philippians chapter 3 are what we would like to think, or I would say, a sandwich between the well-known verses Uh, portion in chapter 2 which reminds us of Jesus or Christ being our example. It reminds us of his obedience and of his exaltation and then into chapter 4 which we are encouraged there in verse 4 to rejoice in the law and verse 5 that says by prayer, supplication and thanksgiving We make our requests known to the Lord. And we know that, as Norman has shared this morning, concerning Job, he still trusted God in the midst of all that was going on. He was rejoicing in all things, despite the fact that nearly all things had been stripped from him and taken away from him. And so we can learn from Job's example And we can be encouraged by what Paul tells us here. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And each one of us this morning, it doesn't matter what our trials are, our circumstances are, because we know God and the Lord Jesus Christ as our Saviour and as our Lord, we can still be found in that place where we can rejoice in the Lord always. And so much of what we know and what we have become as believers is as a result of Paul's letters. I'm sure that we would all say this morning as we read the letters that Paul has written that time after time again we have been encouraged, we have been challenged, we've been ministered to and blessed by so many of the verses that are contained within his epistles. And so much could be said, if exactly the same, of this one particular letter in itself, Philippians. It blesses me so often. As I read it, I'm encouraged, I'm challenged, I'm blessed. And I'm caused in my spirit to just move on in the will and in the purposes of God. And so when we consider Paul and think of him as Saul, there is absolutely no doubt that this man, who we meet first as Saul in the book of Acts, has had an incredible encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ that had transformed his life in a miraculous way. And if you want to, you can go to Acts chapter 9 sometime today or during the week and just read the account of the conversion, this encounter that Saul had with the Lord Jesus Christ. And without having to spend too much time, we know that before this encounter, that Saul was an enemy of the church. Saul was a man who hated, and we could underline the word hated, those who followed Christ. And he was determined to destroy all he could find who were following in the way. But Jesus met with it. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus met with him. And as a result, as we see, as we look in the New Testament, I believe that Paul became the greatest pioneer, the greatest preacher, and the greatest planter of churches that this world has ever known. I remember reading something just recently, on I think it was on Twitter or on Instagram, when one young guy in America made the claim that his dad was still alive today was the greatest preacher of all time well I would disagree with him because I think that Paul was because Paul reached so many he planted so many churches he pioneered in so many different areas and we need to understand that Paul did it without the means of modern technology and without the means of the modern transport that we have today And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we read that the incredible change that took place in his life meant, and this I want us to understand first because there are two important points, that, that, that the change that took place in his life meant that he was willing to undergo absolutely anything for the sake of the gospel. And there in 2 Corinthians 11, he reports that he was beaten many times he had the lashes many times. He had a public stoning. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. He was in constant danger because the encounter that he had with the Lord Jesus Christ had changed him in such a dramatic and powerful way that he was willing to undergo anything for the sake of the gospel. And in the previous verses to what I've read here in Philippians chapter 3, in verses 1 and through to the end of verse 11, we not only find that he was willing to undergo anything for the cause of the gospel, but the incredible, incredible change that took place meant that he was also willing to give up whatever was necessary for the sake of the gospel. And those two points are so important he was willing to undergo anything for the sake of the gospel and he was willing to give up whatever was necessary for the cause of Christ and the gospel and we read in the Word of God that as Saul he was the Hebrew of Hebrews he was from the tribe of Benjamin In 2 Corinthians 11, which I've already quoted, he compares himself to others this way. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offsprings of Abraham? So am I. And he was also a Pharisee, which meant that Saul, as a man, had an outstanding understanding of the law of God probably a greater understanding so that so many others of his peers had. And Saul, we could say, as Saul, was going places. He had excelled and could have still gone places. But he says this in verses 7 to 10. But whatever gain I had, it didn't matter who I was, If we could put it today, it didn't matter how many letters I had after my name, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of the gospel. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. See, before the encounter, he was depending upon who he was and upon what he was doing. But after the encounter, he counted all that as useless and depended only on that which comes through faith in Christ. And so as far as Paul was concerned, in coming to know Christ, there was absolutely nothing that the world had to offer him and absolutely nothing that he had gained in life that was worth holding on to. He considered it all as rubbish. The King James Version uses the word dung so that he might gain Christ. And I love that word dung that the King James verse uses because I was brought up on a farm. So I know what dung is all about. Going up on the farm, I got used to the smell of dung. We can go along in the car sometimes. And it happened just very recently where the farmer had been spreading some dung on the fields and immediately the rest in the car began to, what a stink, what a smell. And I would breathe it in. <sighs> because it reminded me of growing up on the farm. In fact, the dung pile on our farm was actually right outside the farmhouse. My dad chose to have it there because it was a convenient place. Uh, And every Saturday morning would start up with us as children with my dad having to muck out, that is to remove the dung from all of the cattle sheds with a fork into a wheelbarrow and take it to the ever-growing bigger pile in the yard until eventually it would be spread as manure on the field. But Paul uses the illustration of dung to tell us that everything and anything other than living for Christ was like dung to him. In other words, it was to be avoided. Oh, that the things that draw us away from Christ this morning would smell like dung. That's the first thought this morning. Oh, that the things that draw us away from Christ would smell like dung, That they would become a, a stench to our nostril just as they did to Paul. See, such was the difference that Christ had made in his life that the one whom he once despised he now wanted to devote his life to. Isn't that wonderful? What a transformation and what a change. The one whom he once despised, he now devoted his life to. And the church, his early church that had just been born had began to grow and began to spread. He once sought to destroy. But after coming to accept Christ, he was now determined to help build it up. And we know how he did as the gospel continued to spread. And the believers who he once hated with vengeance and sought to kill with vengeance, he now loved them. And he sought to build them up and to encourage them in the faith. And he says in verse 10, why he had given it all up. He says this, that I may know him, know Christ, Know the Lord Jesus, the one who's already told us about in Philippians 2, who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one with the name which is above every other name. He said, I give it all up. I count it as done that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. And then he says, so that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Well, when we read these verses, and as I've read them and pondered upon them, we could easily conclude that at this point of Paul's writing, that as a Christian, he had made it. He was there. All these wonderful lectures. all his achievements for Christ, his pioneering, his church planting, and all his encouragement that he was giving to these believers in their different uh, places. But despite who he had become, or despite what he had become and achieved for Christ, he continues this way in verse 12. Not I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. See, Paul, at this point, in writing this letter, he knew that his past achievements couldn't carry him on (laughs) to the finishing line. He still needed to strive. He still needed to work hard. He still needed to persevere. He still needed to move forward. To what lay ahead. What Christ still had for him to fulfil in his life. And verse 14 he says, I press on towards the goal. And what was the goal? The goal that he was pressing on towards was the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See Paul knew at this point it wasn't all over. He knew that his race wasn't finished. He knew that God's purpose for his life was not completed until he had reached the finishing line, that moment when God would call him into his eternal presence. Mm -hmm. And then Paul then begins to speak to those who would consider themselves to be the mature in Christ. Maybe considering, I would think, those who were in the positions of leadership in the churches in which he was writing to And so in verses 15 to 16, he says this to them. He says that those of you who are mature think this way. And if anything, you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Notice he says, let those of us. He's putting himself in with this group of mature believers. And he says this to them, think this way. Well, think what way? We can ask. Well, I suggest he is saying to the spiritually mature, go back to what I've already said, and you also think this way. Apply it to your life and to your experience. So apply what? To the spiritually mature. Well, it's verses 12 and 14 not that i or not that you or those of us who consider ourselves to be the spiritual mature the leaders not that we not one of us have already obtained this or am already perfect but we press on to make it our own because christ jesus has made us his own brothers i do not consider that i have made it my own But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I, speaking of myself, and we the spiritually mature, speaking of ourselves, we press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't matter how mature we may be spiritually nor how long we have been in the way. There's not one of us here this morning have yet made it. And it doesn't matter what we may have already achieved for Christ. The future still lies ahead of us. There is still more to do. So forgetting what lies behind and stretching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 17, Paul says, Brothers, and we include sisters here as well, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Well, what is their example? Well, first, it is the example of Paul himself. And secondly, it is the example of those who have followed Paul's example. And it is found in their willingness to give up whatever is necessary to serve and to live faithfully for Jesus, to be determined, to press on, and to make it to the finishing line. And in conversation that I've had and heard since I arrived here a little over three and a half years ago concerning this fellowship, much has been told me much has been shared with me of those who have already gone on ahead. Both men and women who in this fellowship have been great examples. And I prepared this before Brother John had gone into the presence of the Lord this week. And yet, as I thought of it again, as I re- went over what I'd written down, I thought how appropriate today is the example of our Brother John Armstrong. He fought a good fight. He never gave up. He gave up for the Lord Jesus. But he didn't give up in his walk with the Lord Jesus. And thank God I believe on that moment when he breathed his last breath on this earth and entered into the presence of Almighty God I believe he heard those words well done a good and faithful servant. But I trust, it can also be said of those of us who now by default should be the present example that should be inspiring all. That regardless of age, regardless of experience, that we are willing to heed Paul's instruction to press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, Our modern Bibles have chapters and verse divisions. They weren't there in the beginning. Paul's letters would have just been one long letter. He wouldn't have had chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and verses 1, whatever. They were all added in at a later time to help us to navigate the Word of God more easily. And as I look at Philippians 3 and into Philippians 4, I think that this section that Paul is talking about would have probably ended actually at the end of verse 1 of the next chapter. And so it would have read like this. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And then our verse 1. It's a continuation. Therefore, in other words, because of what I've said before, because of what has gone on before, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm. Stand firm thus in the Lord my beloved. See, after mentioning the upward call, he talks of our citizenship. It is in heaven, and it is from heaven that we await our saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that when Paul was writing this letter, that he would say, as he was thinking about what he'd given up, he would say, it will be worth it all when I see Jesus when he was willing to go through all that he went through, I believe that he would be saying, it will be worth it all, because he knew that the day was coming when the Saviour would come and take him to be in his eternal presence. And I believe that each one of us, we need to follow Paul's example. We need to look at those things that we're holding on to. And we need to ask ourselves, why am I holding on to these things? If they're hindering me in my race, if they're hindering me in my walk with God, if they're hindering me from pressing and straining towards what lies ahead. So may God help each one of us myself included, to stop and consider the challenge and the testimony that Paul brings to us. What am I willing to give up for Christ? What am I willing to go through for Christ? And maybe when it comes to giving up for Christ, maybe this is increasingly becoming the harder challenge for believers today because we're living in this pleasure-seeking and this self-centred world in which we're living in there is so much to distract us there is so much to draw us back there is so much that holds us back and we're enjoying too much of the world we're not willing to give it up so that we might gain Christ and move on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus may we be so captivated by his love for each one of us so much so that we will be determined to press on toward the goal that we will say there is nothing absolutely nothing worth holding on to if by doing so means that we will fail to get to the finishing line there's a song that the Brooklyn Tabernacle sing and it says this there's nothing better than living for Jesus can we say that this morning? can we say that this morning? there's nothing better than living for Jesus and we can truly only say that if we can truly say that Jesus Christ is Lord of our hearts he is the centre of our being he is the focus of our lives He's all that we see worth living for. And we can only say it if like Paul that we're willing to give up things that are holding us back and willing to suffer whatever is necessary to suffer for the cause of Christ and for the gospel. I believe that the days are going to get darker. I don't mean because we're going into winter. We're already noticing that. I've already mentioned that society is wanting to get God out of everything. And the more society moves that way, the darker it's going to become. And let me assure you that unless we're willing to commit ourselves such as the way that Saul did when he was converted and became the man that God used, unless we're willing to make that same commitment The sad thing is there were many who will fall by the wayside because there's nothing better than living for Jesus and yet they're choosing instead to live for the things of the world. If we want to make it to the end, we have to be willing to stand up and to be counted. We have to be willing to give up and to let go and to sacrifice whatever is necessary and to suffer in whichever way it might be for the cause of Christ, for the cause of the Gospel, and to enable us to press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And there is nothing better. And if you can't say it this morning, then I ask you to look into your hearts, spend some time searching your soul in the presence of God, and to come to that point where you'll begin to realise there is nothing better absolutely nothing better than living for jesus there's nothing better than living for him that same song goes on to say i tried to do it all my own way and nothing's ever changed then in came his saving grace and took my sins away the joy and peace he's given me i'll never be the same there's nothing better there's nothing better there's nothing better Oh, the joy that floods my soul. Jesus' love has made me whole. He is mine, and now I know nothing's better. I have tasted and I've seen. Jesus, you are all I need. Just to know, just to know, nothing's better. There's nothing better than living for Jesus. There's nothing better than living for Him. Can you say that this morning? Can you say that this morning? But not only can you say it, are you living it out? Is it demonstrated by the kind of person you are? Is it demonstrated by the kind of things that you're involved with? Is it demonstrated by the places that you go to? Because if you truly want to live for Jesus, there are things in this world that we've got to give up. Because they're holding us back. They're besetting our way. They're stopping us, they're preventing us from living as Jesus wants us to live. And keeping us from being in that place of real, true fellowship with him and within one another as the body of Christ. May God help us. May God help each and every one of us to follow the example of Paul And I trust that I will also follow the example of Paul in such a way, and other leaders will follow the example of Paul in such a way that you will see that to us, nothing matters but for living for Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's all that's going to count. All that's going to count. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. I haven't got there yet. I fall short so many times. But forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen.